Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist. I had the pleasure of meeting with Susan Cantrell, who is the CEO of AMCP at the AMCP headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, It was really fun to get to catch up with Susan, and as a parting gift, I even received her book, Letters to a Young Pharmacist, Sage Advice on Life and Career from Extraordinary Pharmacists. Um, So it's a series of letters uh, from pharmacy leaders who all wrote um, to a young pharmacist and and gave some great advice um, about how to manage uh, their lives and careers. So excited to dig in and learn more about that book. And I hope you'll enjoy this episode with uh, this really experienced pharmacy leader. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest is Susan Cantrell, who is the CEO of AMCP, or the Academy of Managed Care Pharmacy. AMCP is the organization representing practitioners managing medication therapies, and Susan took over that position in February of 2016 as the CEO. She has a long-standing history in the association space, as she was previously with ASHP for 19 years of her career. And Susan is a fellow Ole Miss alum and University of Mississippi Medical Center resident. I'm delighted to talk with her today. Susan, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. I'm delighted to be here, Hillary. Thanks for having me. Well, now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro and maybe share a little bit more about your personal life. Sure, I'm happy to do that. Um, one thing about uh, my uh, that you made mention of is the fact that I did a residency at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. I was actually the first resident oh, that the program had many years ago, so I hate to date myself like that, but it is exciting to say um, that uh, I was the first resident in the program, and now to see how far it's gone and what a legacy has been built there. It's very impressive and exciting to me. So I uh, practiced pharmacy at University of Mississippi Medical Center after the residency, and then uh, took advantage of an opportunity when there was growth in the home infusion industry to work uh, in that space. And as I like to say, in specialty pharmacy before specialty pharmacy was an industry, again, dating myself. Um, But it's my work in associations um, that has uh, uh, taken up most of my career. I have a real passion for it. Um, I see how we can serve a profession and how important associations could be in really advancing the work of our members. Um, So uh, it's a turn that I hadn't anticipated when I went to pharmacy school so long ago, um, but I have a real passion for it and I'm happy to be here, especially now at AMCP for the last couple of years. Yeah, wonderful. And so tell us a little bit more about AMCP. Um, 
I know the the mission or kind of the main objective is that it's the nation's leading professional association dedicated to increasing patient access to affordable medicines, improving health outcomes, and ensuring the wise use of healthcare dollars. Uh, tell us a little bit more and, and maybe who are some of the typical members. Sure. So AMCP is celebrating a big milestone this year. We're 30 years old as of uh, this year, 2018. The organization was founded in um, 1988 by eight visionaries um, that uh, fortunately still are active in the organization. And we recently recognized them in Boston at our annual meeting. Um, they, at the time, were, were blazing a trail in managed care pharmacy. Managed care pharmacy wasn't really an industry. Uh, it was more of a niche, and most of those founders worked in health maintenance organizations, HMOs, uh, during the early days of the organization. And if you fast forward 30 years and look at where our members work now, it's a vastly different landscape. Um, they're in health plans, they're in uh, plans that provide the Medicare Part D benefit, uh, they work for pharmacy benefit management firms, which didn't exist back in 1988. Um, our members also lead um, Medicaid programs, they work for health plans that provide Medicaid managed care. Um, so it's a really diverse landscape, and of course now in the wake of the passage of the Affordable Care Act, we have some new models that have arisen um, that involved uh, those who manage the pharmacy benefit, ACOs, uh, integrated delivery networks. We have members who uh, lead population health as it relates to man uh, medication management in health systems. Um, so the membership has become quite diverse over the years. Um, but I think the things that you mentioned, um, the importance of ensuring that patients have access to the right medications, to affordable medications, and also addressing the rising healthcare costs that we all are concerned about now, um, those are the, the threads that uh, unite our members. And uh, the work that we do in the last couple of years as we, uh, the pricing and, and cost of pharmaceuticals has become kind of front and center in the national health policy debate um, has kind of um, added a sense of urgency and also a sense of visibility uh, to the work of uh, those in managed care pharmacy, which includes not only pharmacists, but physicians, nurses, and others uh, that make up our, our membership. Yeah, that's really helpful. And uh, as you mentioned, drug pricing mm -hmm. and drug shortages are really top of mind for um, the pharmacy industry and, and the healthcare industry uh, as a whole. So what are some things that uh, you're seeing uh, as big changes in that area or some things that maybe AMCP or, or the members are doing to help uh, with, with the drug pricing and drug shortages? Mm -hmm. So um, we've been very active uh, at the national level and to a certain extent at the state level in advocating for policies that will help address the rising cost of healthcare um, and the rising cost of pharmaceuticals. Um, we, of course, are in the process right now of responding to the request for information related to the president's blueprint um, that was released back in May. Um, that has been a keen focus of ours and uh, working with our committees and our board of directors on how we'll respond to that. 
But we have a number of solutions that we've put forward for addressing the rising cost of medications. And um, I would characterize those in three large categories. One is we as an organization are very supportive of a competitive marketplace where less expensive alternatives can be used um, when appropriate um, in place of um, uh, branded products in some cases or in cases um, uh, where uh, a therapeutic alternative exists that uh, a patient might benefit from and that might save uh, the health system on cost. Um, so um, related to that would be um, uh, use of generic products uh, when they're available um, and also uh, now that we have a biosimilars marketplace emerging in the U.S., uh, the use of biosimilars um, is uh, very much a part of what we've been advocating for as these um, products come to market. We have to make room to pay for the wonderful innovation that we're seeing now in the marketplace and if we don't take advantage of uh, biosimilars, generics, and other uh, alternatives like that. We may not be able to afford uh, the gene therapies that can cure some chronic diseases. Um, the second part of um, our uh, platform on rising costs relates to uh, the value discussion. We have a number of our members who are leading efforts related to value-based contracting um, and doing some very innovative things there, but value assessment as part of the um, uh, decision around what medications will be used uh, we think is important. Uh, it's not a perfect science, it's still emerging, uh, but at the same time uh, using real-world evidence that we now have access to uh, will help us do that better. So assessing value uh, and using value assessment uh, as we think about uh, selecting medications for our patients. And then the third piece of it is what we call um, the use of managed care tools and strategies. And that is uh, things that, while sometimes not always popular, prior authorization, uh, step therapy, uh, other types of approaches like that, formularies uh, even. Uh, formularies are a longstanding uh, managed care tool. Uh, being able to um, implement those types of uh, strategies uh, in order to address rising cost and also patient outcomes, we believe is uh, very important. Um, so we advocate uh, for flexibility of uh, health plans and payers uh, to use those types of strategies. Yeah, that's really helpful, and I think those are three great focus areas. Um, I'm glad you mentioned biosimilars because that is, is of course, a hot topic. Um, a lot of education still needs to be developed with that to, to educate our providers and, you know, other practitioners about, uh, you know, interchanging some of those options and working with um, the those organizations that develop formularies about uh, covering those uh, uh, alternatives. Um, so glad you talked about that. Value-based care, of course, is a really big area as well. And then all of the different strategies involved. So glad to hear Glad to hear that AMCP has those as some goals. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about your role as CEO and uh, maybe some additional initiatives that you might be focused on in that position? Sure, I'm happy to. Um, I feel in many ways like I'm still new in the role, even though I've been here two years. Um, 
but um, one thing that we undertook uh, with our board of directors um, in uh, 2017 was a strategic planning process um, to look at how we're positioning the organization for long-term success and to meet the needs of our members, uh, recognizing that our membership database is uh, still, or our membership base is still evolving. How do we keep up with what's happening in the environment around us? So we took about six months to walk through a strategic planning process that really depended heavily on looking at our external environment, the forces that were shaping managed care in the future, and um, how we address those going forward. Um, it, we have a lot happening in our world. Uh, even if we uh, don't focus on uh, rising cost and um, how we address that, um, you look at mergers and acquisitions that are happening in the landscape where you've got health plans and pharmacy benefit management uh, organizations um, potentially, depending on uh, how that moves forward, uh, joining forces, that creates a whole new healthcare delivery model and system um, with access uh, to patient data um, across the continuum of healthcare delivery. Um, so how do we address that? How do we help our members navigate all of these important changes taking place? The, the um, continued expansion of Medicaid and the shift of Medicaid from fee-for-service to managed care, uh, that's an important development as well. Um, and then, of course, um, what we're looking at at the national level with um, measures that the administration might put into place. And then today, we have our Congress uh, debating a number of bills related to the opioid epidemic. So a lot is happening in our world, and we felt like strategic planning really needed to happen. Um, so we're in this continuous cycle <clears throat> of looking at uh, the organization strategy and how we position ourselves to better support the needs of our members going forward. That's been an exciting development and a big part of my role. Um, as well as uh, I spend some time up on Capitol Hill, some time with the regulatory agencies, CMS, FDA, uh, talking about the work of our members and issues that are important to our members. Um, so uh, that is enough to keep me busy here at AMCP as well as keep all of our staff and members busy. Right. It's certainly a lot to keep up with, uh, all the, the changes going on in healthcare. Uh, what are some ways that you try to stay current and up to date uh, with what's going on and, and specifically within the pharmacy field? Well, we all suffer from information overload, mm -hmm. I think, um, and there's no shortage of um, important things that we need to read and keep abreast of. Uh, so I try to be careful, uh, carefully selecting of uh, the materials that I choose to read, uh, but reading um, and um, most importantly for me is talking with both our members uh, in their workplaces. I like to get out and visit with our members and hear about what's keeping them awake at night, what's challenging them during the day, and what they see happening in the future. Um, I also like to have those conversations with other organizations. So we at AMCP are well networked with a number of organizations, both within the pharmacy profession, our sister pharmacy organizations, um, 
through JCPP as well as uh, in other areas um, with organizations that represent health plans like AHIP and uh, ACHP and others. Um, so um, uh, networking and reading are my two forms of keeping up with what's happening in the world, although we all know it's challenging right now. Absolutely. Well, what are some of the things that excite you about the future of pharmacy? Oh, there's so much to be excited about, I think, in the future of pharmacy. Um, uh, we had several months ago, CMS sent out a communication um, to uh, states that talked about uh, and encouraged uh, more utilization of pharmacists uh, in the healthcare delivery. Now, uh, we all know that a priority issue for the profession for a number of years has been getting designated um, as providers uh, by the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare and Medicaid Services. Um, and that hasn't happened yet, even though there's been quite a bit of activity on bills in, in Congress. Um, they haven't been able to uh, cross the finish line yet. Uh, but nevertheless, for CMS to be encouraging uh, pharmacists to be used more at, in terms of healthcare uh, services, immunizations, and other things that uh, we are, are very um, well trained to do, um, I think is very exciting. When we look at the landscape of what's happened across the country with p collaborative practice agreements, particularly in states where um, there, there has been more uh, innovation in terms of how par pharmacists practice and how they work with their colleagues in medicine, um, all of that to me is very exciting. So this vision uh, that uh, we had many years ago and uh, our leaders at the time really pushed forward in terms of um, developing uh, a standard degree for entry level into the profession and along with that uh, rich training in uh, clinical practice as opposed to the focus that we've always had on dispensing of the drug product, um, we're starting to see that vision kind of slowly come to fruition and I think that is incredibly exciting. We have a number of our members who, um, for example, work with uh, Medicare Part D recipients um, in a few ways, one of which is providing the uh, MTM benefit, the medication therapy management benefit. And I had an opportunity to visit one of those last year and actually um, uh, visit their call center and um, uh, listen a little bit to what they were um, uh, able to discuss with their patients. And I think you wouldn't have seen that uh, uh, 10 years or so ago. Uh, so I think it's exciting to see the evolution, how we're getting closer to the patient and really making a difference in healthcare delivery. Yeah, well, it, it's certainly an exciting time for pharmacy, and I, and I agree with with the direction uh, of some of the things that, that you mentioned, provider status and, and some of those things. So, Susan, uh, as our final question, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self and for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? So um, I, I would tell my younger self a lot. <laughs> 
And um, I don't know if you're aware, Hillary, but I actually co-authored a book uh, called mm-hmm. Letters to a Young Pharmacist. Oh, wow. And, and then a second book, uh, along with uh, Sarah White, uh, that's called uh, Letters from Rising Pharmacy Stars. And it was based exactly on that premise, uh, what do I wish I had known when I started my pharmacy career that I now know? Uh, so we reached out to people whose careers that we were familiar with who had done really extraordinary things in their career and asked them to write a letter um, to a hypothetical young pharmacist. So each of the books has 30 to 35 letters uh, from these really accomplished pharmacists. And uh, it's tough to limit it, um, but I think um, uh, one thing I I would definitely say to my younger self is um, uh, don't put the blinders on. Really um, be open to new opportunities because you never know what might be in store for you and when it might be presented to you. So keep an open mind about that and uh, look for opportunities to really make a difference in the lives of the patients that we serve. Wonderful. Well, I have some new readings that I need to add to my list. That's really amazing. Um, well, Susan, it was so great talking with you, and it was a pleasure to have you on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you for having me. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. And if you're a student or new grad or resident, and you are struggling with student loans, I know the guys over at Your Financial Pharmacist, and they have put together an online course just for you. Uh, So head over to www.pharmacyadvisory.com slash student loan course to check that out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.